If your steering wheel has more traction than your actual tires, that's a big O no. Thankfully, for all your car's big O no's, there's always a big O yes. Now through February 2nd, buy three, get one free on select sets of four Aspen Touring AS or Mesa AP2 brand tires with paid installation purchase. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Disposal fees extra and up to 10% shop fee based on non-discounted regular retail price not to exceed $35 were permitted. See store for pricing. Eligibility may vary. Not valid with other offers. At participating locations, no cash value. Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, presented by Big O Tires. It's Thursday, January 9th, and I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. We carry on with a week of Chiefs playoff episodes. Today, star columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian joined beat writers Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell in discussing the Chiefs' divisional round playoff game against the Texans through the prism of the star special section, which will be presented in Sunday's print editions. Some of the stories are already available on KansasCity.com. You'll hear Sam McDowell discuss his trip to Mississippi to explore the background of defensive lineman Chris Jones. You'll hear Vahe comparing what the Chiefs are doing this year to the Royals' runs of 2014 and 2015. Sam Mellinger got into the idea that Patrick Mahomes may be better this season when he won't be named the NFL's MVP than he was last year when he captured the award. And Herbie took a deep look into the Chiefs' pass defense as it prepares to meet Deshaun Watson and the talented group of Texans wide receivers. I hope you enjoy our conversation that started as a Facebook Live. Here we go. Welcome to Red Zone Extra on Facebook Live, Chiefs Playoff Edition. We've been waiting all season to say Chiefs Playoff Edition. (laughs) Here it is. It's here. Um, Let me introduce you to the gang. To my far left is Sam Mellinger. Next to him, Vahe Gregorian. Stand up, Vahe. (laughs) (laughs) I've got Sam McDowell here and Herbie Teope, who I predict will leave with fewer teeth than when he arrived because he loves candy corn. It's a new year, but you know what? Candy corn still rocks. Thank you to our number one fans, courtesy of Jack and Ann Weaver. Off to the side, they're behind the camera right now, but thank you guys for the candy corn. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's the great thing about the candy corn is that Herbie doesn't need to share that with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> he can have the whole bag to himself. <laughs> um, you all know the drill here. We, uh, we talk Chiefs and we take your questions and try to get to as many of them as, as we can. We are coming at you from Big O Tires. A Big O Tires so nice that we've been here twice. 118, 15, three times? Three times. Three times. <laughs> we've been here thrice. <laughs> That's right. 118, 15 South Black Bob Road in Olathe. Kind of like it's our home, Big O Tires, isn't it? It's, it's kind it has of been. Is. For some one, of us. One of ours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For all one of us. <laughs> um, so we are going to talk Chiefs. And uh, I thought what we do today is. We put together a special section for the star. In the, it'll be the Sunday print editions. A lot of the stories are on KansasCity.com right now and ac- accessible through the Red Zone Extra app. But um, I thought what we do is kind of get into some of the topics that we covered in these special section stories. They're all, you know, uh, relevant to the game on on Sunday against the Houston Texans, two o'clock kick at Arrowhead Stadium. Herbie, we'll start with you because it involves. You know, we we always like to kind of start this with injuries and news updates. And you wrote about the um, uh, you know the Juan Thornhill injury and how that might impact the Chiefs. 
um, you you were going to write about um, the Chiefs pa or the, the Texans passing game and Armani Watts and how he figures in. Just take us through what you wrote and, and how do you think the the, the Juan Thornhill Juan Thornhill injury is going to affect the Chiefs? Well, the Juan Thornhill injury is going to affect the Chiefs because it's a big injury. There's no doubt in anybody's mind that Thornhill and, and Tyrone Matthew, those two on the back end of coverage, help turn around what was a pass defense that ranked 31st last year. They finished the 2019 season ranked eighth in the league. The Chiefs have options right now, and I know you wrote about Kendall Fuller and Armani Watts, who I spoke to Wednesday in the locker room, says, hey, if, if he gets the call, he, he's ready to step in right now. He knows he played 48 uh, defensive snaps the season finale after Thornhill went down, but he says, hey, I've played on special teams, and playing on special teams allows me to see the field faster. And he basically reinforced what Coach Andy Reid said on Monday when I asked him about that. And he said, special teams helps, especially young linebackers and young defensive backs, play fast when it translates over to defense. I think this, the, the Chiefs are going to be well covered back there on the back end of coverage because you still have Matthew back there. Fuller is versatile to play both positions. And then you have a young guy in Armani Watts. Well, and Watts only his second year with the Chiefs. Um, Played only five games as a rookie, then he was injured. It was a groin or a hand, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, missed the final three months of the season, didn't play in the playoffs. Um, but got snaps against um, against the Chargers in the regular mm -hmm. season finale. So you're comfortable, you think, could, because I think the, the Thornhill injury not only affects you know, who's going to replace him, but it does affect Taran Matthew. I think Thornhill's ability, his improvement throughout the season and playing center field allowed um, Taran Matthew to freelance a little bit and have the second half of the season that got him all pro mentioned. What, what do you think, Sam? Is this, um, this seems to be an impactful injury. One of the yeah. guys that you don't, you know, if you had to list in order, guys you don't want to see injured and miss the playoffs, he'd be up there pretty high. Yeah, I mean, he, I think he'd be after, you know, there, there's a tier, right, with the, the quarterback, yeah. and then there's probably a couple blank tiers after that. And then there's a tier with, with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, I would put Matthew in there, um, Chris Jones, you know, but I think the next one down, I, I think is Juan Thornhill for a lot of reasons, including what you just said. I think he has freed up Tyron Matthew. I think Tyron Matthew has been better the second half of the season. He's been good all season, but I think he's been more excellent uh, the second half of the season than the first night. I draw a connection there between, you know, Juan Thornhill's improvement and freeing up Tyron Matthew, the, the play that sticks out the most, and it's just, it's one play, but I think it's illustrative of some other things, is that that interception against Oakland and, and the second Oakland game, which was week, what, 13, something like that, um, you know, where, where his guy was running a, what would that be, a post, and he left him because he knew Juan Thornhill had his back, and he made the interception on, I forgot who the receiver was, but running it out. Yeah, and, and that kind of, like, I, look, I think the Chiefs are, relatively insulated against a Thornhill injury with Watts and, um, and Kendall Fuller already having transitioned to safety. But I think it's, it's a major step. It, it, if nothing else, it's a huge question mark. And this is a bad team to be having that question mark at that position because they are really good with the deep ball. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson has been really dangerous throwing deep mm -hmm. and especially so when he's got all his receivers. When, which, when, which you'll have. Yes, yeah, Stills and Fuller. Fuller back. Yeah, when, when he's got all three of those guys, Stills, Stills, Fuller, and of course, DeAndre Hopkins might be the best receiver in football. Uh, when he's got all three of those guys, he's particularly dangerous with the deep ball. I think that, that, that's absolutely something to watch. If I can add a point, weekend. 
to, to what Sam's yeah. mentioning here. I, I think the Chiefs signaled their confidence in Kendall Fuller and Armani Watts because they had two weeks to make a roster move. That's true. They could have yeah. bolstered that defensive back position, but they didn't. They just placed Thornhill on injured reserve and activated Ryan uh-huh. Hunter from the practice squad. They did not address the safety group. So they, they ha- that signals they are comfortable with Fuller and Watts. And sure. brought up a running back, I noticed, for the practice squad. To the practice squad, correct. Back, running back. Um, Kyle Coffey uh, beat me to the punch here, was asking about, speaking of injuries, Travis Kelsey showing up on the injury report yesterday. What's going on there? But uh, of course we don't know anything. Nobody knew about Kelsey's knee injury until the practice report was issued late uh, on on Wednesday, which made made him a, was it a limited participant yesterday? You wrote the story, Sam. What to to make of this? Yeah, um, first of all, I hope nobody takes you out of context with, of course, we don't know anything. Um, but uh, he did practice limited, so I don't know that it's, it's, it's a major concern about him missing Sunday's game, and maybe you disagree, but um, everybody's kind of dealing with something this, kind of, this, this time of year, and, and he was out there during the portion that was, that was open, open to media and stretching and, and doing all that work, so I would be still surprised if it was something serious enough to keep him out on Sunday. What's interesting is that Andy made a point of announcing at the start of his news Everybody conference healthy. before practice yeah. how healthy they are, and I, I don't imagine that they're, I guess those two can li- coexist, I mean, that they're healthy and Travis was going to be limited, but um, do, do we think there's a chance that, that that developed in the time after? Well, what he said was everybody will practice. He didn't say everybody will practice fully. So, I mean, yeah. there, there's some room in there. Yeah, yeah, there is. And he takes advantage of that room. He does. Yeah. <laughs> He'll get that to us. Yeah. <laughs> I wondered, um, you know, this, the, the skeptic in me, if there's a little gamesmanship going on here with the injury Could report, be. you know, kind of a la Patriots, you know, yeah. sneaking a guy on there that, you know, here Travis Kelsey's been played every snap. He, no, I'm sure he's had his bumps and bruises all year, but For sure. one of the few stars on the team that hasn't missed any time because yep. of an injury. Let's, let's put point. that seed, put that seed in, plant plant that seed for That's the for the Texans. And, and and if there's one guy that you kind of trust to just be there Sunday. <laughs> Yeah. It's probably that guy right. that's, that's right. been in this offense for so many years. But as Herbie's reminded us throughout the year, the injury report, the Friday, the Thursday and the Friday injury reports are the ones to really sure. pay, pay close attention to. So, as I said, we're going to talk about some of the stories that uh, you will read uh, either in the Sunday print editions of the Kansas City Star or online at KansasCity.com now. Bye, let, let's start with you. You wrote uh, a story that we've talked about a lot over the, you know, is, as the Chiefs have built this Andy Reid, um, you know, program, and the fact that we all covered the Royals in 2014 and 2015, their their uh, their championship run, there's just there's a similar feeling to in there. There is a similar feeling, and um, as so often often happens when you have a theory and you run it by Dustin Colquitt, um, <laughs> he he leads you in a direction that helps, and uh, so it's so that giving away too much of the story, I, I spoke with him and, and he immediately went into some of the comparisons, including uh, being summoned into Ned Yost's office uh, last summer, along with uh, Patrick and Travis Kelsey, and uh, being told that this is the same thing by Ned, who uh, called me back in the office yesterday and, and uh, uh, in my hurry to go off to a side room to talk to Ned. Um, Sam McDowell ran over to me with my tape recorder to make sure I could keep, keep pace with Ned. So it became a fun story to work on. And uh, rest assured that uh, Andy Reid is, is Ned Yost's coach. Patrick Mahomes is Ned Yost's 
quarterback, and uh, Sam Mellinger is not Ned Yost's columnist. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, and I'm rambling, so too much coffee early. <laughs> also, I'm making up for sitting way down here. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you, you've, you've got to speak louder so we can all hear you from down there. Why did, why did you get the small chair? Because I took the time to go talk to, to Ann and Jack <laughs> while some people here were moving chairs around, apparently. <laughs> what, what about the build-up to, you know, to what the Royals you know, accomplished in those two years? Look, to, the, yeah, the re, and the real point here is um, the way each season ended, right, with just this closest can be to something incredibly special. I know it's different to win the World Series than to go to the Super Bowl. But I think in certain ways that that parallel holds up pretty well. It would be pretty euphoric for the Chiefs just to get to the Super Bowl. Um, so we all remember Alex Gordon stranded on third base, game seven in 2014. And certainly all remember D Ford and, and the coin toss last year. And the question becomes, do you, do you build off that? Do you get a hunger from that? Do you get experience from that, that that's relevant? Um, yeah, I, I, I very much see the parallels. And, and also each thing is its own story. I mean, this could. Uh, become something that resonates more as we go forward, or something yeah. that falls flat immediately on Sunday. Well, they kind of have to get to the Super Bowl to complete. Yeah. to complete the parallel. At least, right? at least, right? Yeah. 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 The fan experience is really similar, right? Like, um, the the big difference, of course, is that the Chiefs have been good before, uh, you know, and the Royals had twenty nine years of. Not just being bad, but just stink. being hopeless. 29 years of stink. <laughs> Most of those years. You know, so like the, the Royals never bothered to, to raise your hopes. The Chiefs would raise those hopes and then punch you <laughs> in every part of your body yeah. for, for having the nerve to believe. So that, that's the one. But there is a similar kind of fan experience. And, and the rebuild, I think, like, you know, the, the, once Hosmer, Perez, those guys came up, maybe that's the comparison, right, between <laughs> once... Mahomes. <laughs> All of those guys. <laughs> Look, there is, there, there's actually more to be said on it. Um, in fact, you should quote yourself when you, when you write chapter two on the fan experience. That uh -oh. Raise them up to punch them. That's, you may have said that in as many words before. But, Probably. Um, but, but there, is, there is more to be explored there on those mm -hmm. very points, especially that I think we'll be spending a lot of time on the fan experience in the weeks to come if, uh, yeah. if, they, if they win this one. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Sam, you, uh, you you got after um, the the idea of Patrick Mahomes as a kind of not lost in the shuffle. That's a little too strong, yeah. but you know, after following his MVP season of, of 2018, he's not going to be the MVP in 2019. Which I don't know. I kind of thought once he got that, he would be the MVP every year for the rest of his career. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the way it goes, right? It's a huge letdown. <laughs> it really is. I mean, it's like I was saying the other day. I, I think the Chiefs really start to start looking at the, watch the national championship game on um, you know on Monday night. <laughs> yeah. start, just start looking, yeah. plant the seed. You know, they have uh, to anyway. trade up again to get the guy they want. <laughs> right, right. But no, you make the point where uh, he's just not the flavor of the moment right now nationally. Yeah, I mean, like what, what strikes me. This has jumped out pretty much most all the season, um, all of the season. Um, Lamar Jackson is exactly what Patrick Mahomes was last year. He is, you know, sort of revolutionized. Like he's he's dominating at that position in a way that we have rarely, if ever, seen quarterbacks play. That's exactly what very different way, but that's sort of the structure, the bones of what Mahomes did last year. Mahomes, you know, threw for 5,000 yards obviously last year, and now it's just kind of barely over 4,000. 
But so I, I feel like he has been passed over. Deshaun Watson, um, you know, with, with the ridiculous plays that he made mm-hmm. in that win over the Bills. And look, those two guys are incredibly talented. And I don't think, I think people would be surprised if those two guys aren't among the best quarterbacks in the NFL for the next decade. All that said, a lot of the focus has been on those two guys, and, and Patrick has been not forgotten, but sort of passed over in, in the discussion. And to me, what's really interesting is that he has been so much better than you would think just looking at that sort of thing on the surface. If, if you look at um, his 13 full games, uh, so not take out the Denver game, I think he finished like 76 yards. In that yeah, game. Half, if you, if you the, played half the game. Yeah, if you do those 13 full games, prorated over 16 game season, he threw for I think 4,867 yards would be the full season. That's really close to the 5,000, right? If, if you look at uh, QBR, if you look at uh, you know, football outsiders metrics, if you look at some of these things, he's been basically as good this year as he has been last year. Here's the really interesting thing that, that I've, and look, it's a small sample size, I get it, but in the two games that they've been fully healthy, offensive line playmakers, they have scored at a higher rate and they've scored more points per possession than they did last year. So this is, a t- and, and Vahe, you've written a lot about this and we've talked about this. Um, and I, I quoted your, that was a great column that you wrote with, with Andy. Um, and, you know, about how Patrick, his numbers are, are, are a little bit diminished, um, but he's having a better year. And that mm-hmm. speaks to that because they haven't had to score as often, right? Because the, the defense has been so good. But it's just, it's really interesting to me that this guy, when they're fully healthy, he has led his offense to more points per possession and more, you know, sort of scoring possessions in total than they did last year. And nobody's talking about it. And, and now that thing is supported by a really good defense. It's, it's setting up really nicely for them. Just a thing I wanted to ask you, and I, you, I, you drilled deeper on some of these things. Were you, I was trying to study this and I couldn't quite figure out a time of possession metric, like yeah. to what did, a scoring time of possession metric and, and whether it's, Longer in my drives. mind, yeah, longer drives or longer time off the clock. I, I, it sure I, seems like it, it does drives. seem like it. I, and this was one of the points you made, like one of the points that Andy made for you in your column, right? That that defenses are playing really just number one, two, three priorities are to take away the deep pass, which in itself can lead to longer drives because now you're right. going to pick them apart underneath. I mean, how many plays last year, right? Where they're just long touchdowns. And and I thought Andy had a great point in your column about. The Chargers, and I think he's probably exaggerating to make a point, but right, basically time, the Chargers yeah. made like one play where they weren't, you know, taking the top off, and and they killed him for that 47-yard pass to Tyree. I think about um, uh, Mahomes' first touchdown pass of his career was the slant to Tyree Kill that went for 65 yeah, yeah. yards or whatever against the Chargers two years ago, and you had you just haven't seen, you know, I think about the first one this year was the Sammy Watkins touchdown reception. Yeah. But you just haven't seen many of those types of uh-huh. you know, first series, you know, first set of downs, touchdowns, because they, he caught the defense off guard. Yeah. They did do that same route that Watkins ran for that touchdown against Jacksonville, sort of like leak route or drag and go, you can call it different things, where it's kind of a cross and then you go. Mm-hmm. The only other time that I can remember that going for a touchdown was actually, it was Tyreek, but it was Matt Moore yeah. as the quarterback mm-hmm. um, At Denver, in, in, in that Denver game. It's, it's a great route. I'd be... I'd be relatively surprised if we don't see that again at some point in the postseason. Do you guys think that we'll see a little more creativity, a little playbook creativity this weekend? Um, has Andy Reid been holding stuff back? Should he? I mean, is that 
Um, it, it wasn't like they, you know, they, they still needed to continue to win throughout the regular. It's not like they had this thing clinched in week 14. Um, they had to keep trying to win games toward the end of the season. Would, would, does Andy still have something up his sleeve, though, that we yeah. might see in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think he absolutely will. I mean, when you think of some of the, the great offensive minds in the National Football League, you're, you're Josh McDaniels in, in New England, you're, you're Sean McVay in Los Angeles, Sean Payton, and Sam knew I was going to drop this one, Sean Payton in New Orleans, and even Andy Reid. These guys are brilliant. You know, you don't necessarily even, it doesn't even necessarily have to be new. It could be something they used five, six years ago that you don't see on tape anymore because most teams will go back three or four games when they're reviewing the tape. And then they also have a, a template of what to expect from a coach. Obviously, the Houston Texans are reviewing what happened in week six. But I, I don't know how you guys felt about this, but I felt like in the regular season finale, it was kind of vanilla. Yeah. I, I didn't really, you know, we didn't see a lot of creativity out of the Chiefs offense. They just pretty much stuck to something very simple. And that's probably designed so you don't give the Texans something to look at. It, it wouldn't surprise me if you see something new, some new wrinkles this weekend. I mean, Patrick and Mahomes. Mahomes said yesterday that they've been practicing plays all year that they haven't run yet. So well, we'll see something that we haven't seen yet. The, the, the last time that an Andy Reid protege made it to and won a Super Bowl, they were in the Philly special, right, <laughs> that they hadn't run yeah. before. Like, I'm just right. – I, I don't think Andy Reid – like, maybe I'm just yeah. – too fanboy on Andy Reid in, in this part, but like I don't think his like creativity is just limited to 16 games. Correct. You know what I mean? Like he's got enough that he can empty the bag here a little bit. And like, Kansas City special, maybe we'll see it. You know, Andy's pretty humble guy, I think, right? I mean, he doesn't doesn't thump his chest, but every once in a while he does feel kind of need to drop in that you know we've got 7,000 plays and we can we can <laughs> we can dial we got more. I mean, he 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 said that it, it sort of earlier for for effect, uh, maybe about a month ago, just. Just drop that in there, and I, I, I think that's very true. I, I think part 7, of the 7,000. Well, I think well, you said 200, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of, the, one of the things about Andy Reid's offense is, I, I'm not sure how many, how many number of plays are in the Chiefs playbook, but I think there are 20 variations for every play. Absolutely. Bingo. Different formations. Different formations. Yep. You line up the tight end, or you put somebody in motion, and. And it may be the same play, but it gives them a different look, and that's what confuses it. You think you've got a team chief scouted mm -hmm. and you know, based on formation, and then all of a sudden they shift something, and it could be the very same play with a different, just a different look. No, no team would share a playbook with you, obviously, but if you, did, if you really did all the numbers, all the possibilities within each play, right, after the formation changes, you can run them from different formations, different options within the play, it, it probably is something like 7,000 different things Maybe. they could do to you. I mean, it, sight reads and all kinds yeah. of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, Sam McDowell, you, um, uh, we're going to read a story about Chris Jones. Yeah. And what an interesting guy with, a, with an interesting background. And you went to Mississippi yeah. to, to talk um, to him. What, what did you discover about Chris Jones? Uh, a lot. Uh, it's probably kind of tough to uh, describe without giving everything away, but he is from small town Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Um, population of I think 3,700 didn't play football until s sophomore year of high school because he couldn't afford it um, mm -hmm. and there's just there's just a lot more in his background um, stuff that continues to, to weigh on him today with with his dad and um, like I said I, I don't want to give right. the whole thing away but um, there's definitely some issues that he has to currently deal with while he's having this Pro Bowl. First career Pro Bowl season, he's led the Chiefs in sacks two years running, and I think a lot of times we look at these guys as 
kind of what they do on the football field. And this tells you that there's a lot more going on with him off the football field. So um, while it's about a, an NFL player, it, it's very little. The story is very little, actually, about the football on the field. Seems being humble. It, it might be the best story that we've had on the Chiefs in, in quite a while. You should absolutely read it. Um, he's got, uh, he's such a good athlete. He, he, basketball was a big part of his background. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah. I mean, we see him play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> we continue to see in the locker room, right? Yeah, we, we see some basketball, almost half brawls every day in the locker room. So, uh, but he, he, he played he basketball. He took a spill so. yesterday. Did it? He, he's on the ground, and for a moment, whoever was standing next to me thought it was his ankle had twisted off, but it was a shoe. Okay. He almost but took my, out Armani Watts on a fadeaway jumper. My story's safe, though. <laughs> Get that thing posted. Uh, he played basketball his entire life. There's a basketball court actually right behind his grandma's house where he grew up. Um, and he kind of thought he was going to be an NBA player, told teachers he was going to be an NBA player, and then started playing football, basically, and realized how good he was at it. How important has he been to the Chiefs this year? Switching, basically going from outside to inside uh, with the acquisition of Frank Clark and the development, well, the acquisition of Alex Okafor and Emmanuel Agba, the development of Tano Passigno, you know, that's given the Chiefs the ability to move him inside and let him kind of do the thing he does best, and that's, you know, get to the quarterback. Yeah, I always think that if, you're, if you've got an NFL defensive line, you kind of rely on those outside guys to pressure the quarterback, and anything you can get from the interior is bonus. And they've gotten 24 and a half sacks from him in the last two seasons. Just from, and I know he has played outside a little bit, a lot in that Vikings game when they were missing more guys, but now that they have Suggs back, they've put him more on the interior. And if you can get the outside guys to move the quarterback up in the pocket, I mean, that's how the Broncos won a Super Bowl a few years oh, yeah. ago, was because... Von Miller and, and DeMarcus Ware were so good on the outside that I think it was Malik Jackson was um, able to get a lot of pressure uh, on the interior. And that, that's kind of the setup that, that the Chiefs envision. He's too quick and he's got multiple moves. You know, you, you, you can't just sit on a spin or sit on a, you know, like, I mean, he's, <laughs> he, he's too much on the interior for those guys. But one thing about playing the, the, um, the Texans and then if they win, playing either the Ravens or the Titans is the Chiefs are going to have to be stout in the middle. Right, yeah, and uh, because all those teams have pretty good running games, especially in that other uh, that other game, the the Texans rushed for what was it one one ninety two one ninety two one ninety two and three touchdowns. Yes, um, and uh, look, so Chris Jones, huge impact for this team, terrific player. I, I think he will continue to be a chief, whether it's uh, with the um, franchise yeah, with tag, franchise tag. Yeah. but uh, I, I think for you know for the for the playoffs, for the, the at least these, this game on Sunday and then the possibly the AFC Championship game, run, run rush defense is gonna is pretty important for the Chiefs. What do you think, Herb? Oh, absolutely, and because what you want to do is you can turn the Texans into one-dimensional team. And the, the Chiefs' pass defense is just ridiculously good. I'm gonna throw a stat at you. This is actually from my section story, but they've allowed just one wide receiver to top 100 yards receiving in a single game this year. And it's interesting because the, the, the Chiefs players know it too. I, I walked up to Severus Ward yesterday, I was like, I'm gonna throw a stat at you. You, you guys only allowed one route receiver to have 100 yards. You know who it is? He was like, oh, DJ Chark, week one. Oh, they're well aware of that. And <laughs> that is a stat to be proud of. Yes, it's, it's four total have hit 100 yards, but their ability to shut down wide receivers is tremendous and they can do that again here. DeAndre Hawkins is a three-time All-Pro, three consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons. He had nine catches for 55 yards on 12 targets against the Chiefs back in week six. That averages out to 6.1 yards per catch. 
They can shut down the outside. You can shut down the outside. Now you turn the Texans into a one-dimensional team, and you have a guy who you have two players on defense who did not play that first time around, and they are essential in the middle of the defense. Chris Jones and Anthony Hitchens. Turn them into a one-dimensional team. You've got Suggs on the outside now, who is really effective at sealing the edge there. Maintain your gap discipline and keep Deshaun Watson in front of you. They can do it. I tell you what, that's why I think one of the important players that it's going to get a lot of the Chiefs' attention on defense is Duke Johnson. Yeah. Um, just his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, which has been something throughout the season that the Chiefs have had an issue with. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a 100-yard rusher type of guy like Carlos Hyde was at 116 against the Chiefs in the regular season game. But Duke Johnson touched the ball six times in the, in the Bills win and averaged about 12 yards per touch, rushing and receiving. <laughs> that guy, you know, he... He's a good player and a little bit of an under-the-radar guy, I think, for the Texans. We talk about Hopkins and Fuller and, and Deshaun Watson and Carlos Hyde, but I, I, I don't know. Duke Johnson, man, that's the guy I think the Chiefs really need to pay attention to. He, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Austin Eckler. You know, Eckler gashed the Chiefs for 100 yards receiving in Mexico City, but they contained him. They did a very good job of containing him in the regular season finale. The Chiefs, this defense, I can't, we, the five of us can't overstate this enough. This is a completely different defense from what we saw at the start of the season. that They have the tools in place to match up well against the Texans. Okay. All right, so we have come to that part of the show, your favorite part of the show. It's called Where the Rubber Meets the Road. It's where we pick a, a player we think the Chiefs uh, will need to come up big, will have an impact on the game Sunday. And I don't, I don't know if we've been keeping score uh, on this but, but Sam McDowell has been nailing it. Uh, have I? Okay. Yeah, you have. I'll take it. I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. So, um, so I think we should start with you okay. uh, because of this, because I know what you do. I come to you last, and you just sort of filter through what everybody else says. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but um, so we, we, we usually have an additional question for that. And th- so the additional question today is going to be, I was talking to a, um, and the story that I'll write later today, I was talking to an odds maker about, um, about the Chiefs and uh, postseason play. The Chiefs, Sam, you mentioned this earlier about the Chiefs' postseason history, and we spent a lot of time last week talking about the, the misfortunes, the, um, the misfortunes of Chiefs in the, uh, in the postseason. The Chiefs have lost, <coughs> I want to say, four of the five playoff losses under Andy Reid have come with the Chiefs as the favorite in that game. Betting favorite, right? New England, the exception. Yeah, yeah. New the, England, the New England in 2015, right? Yeah. So, you know, they beat the, they, even when they played the Colts in 2013. The Chiefs were a slight favorite in that <laughs> game, right? 2013. So, Steelers, Titans, uh, Patriots last year they yeah. were three point favorite. So, I mean, they lose in the most gut wrenching way, right? Uh, it, it's not just that they lose, how they lose. So I, wanted, so I was talking to this odds maker about Chiefs and postseason, and uh, so what he did is he provided me with uh, an over-under on how many years he thinks it'll take for the Chiefs to win a Super Bowl, and he set that <laughs> at the year 2022. So what I'll ask you the is... Season 2022? Yeah, the, the 2022 season. Okay. Chiefs will have won a Super Bowl. And we, we include the 2022 season, so this season plus three more, right? Or, oh, right yeah, 2021-22. Right. Will the Chiefs have won a Super Bowl uh, by the 2022 season? So kind of an over/under, right? Uh-huh. Uh, if you if you take the uh, if you take the under, that means you, the Chiefs, you think the Chiefs will accomplish that. If you take the over, it'll be longer than 2022. Now, 
given the fact that the Chiefs haven't won a Super Bowl in 50 years, there's a little, <laughs> bit, of, little bit of history uh, against them here. But um, so that'll be the second part of the question. Um, who is the, uh, you know, who is your rubber meets the road player for the Chiefs this weekend and over under Chiefs winning the Super Bowl 2022, Sam McDowell? The player this week, I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill. Uh, the, the Texans' weakness, I think, is in their secondary. They're also kind of banged up a little bit there. They're, I think, 28th against the pass this year yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. So um, Tyreek Hill tore him up despite playing, what was it, 50% of the, the snaps in their first meeting. Yeah. I don't think they have a guy that can cover Tyreek Hill. And so I think – and I also don't think that they have – the same sort of scheme that the Patriots do to where they have the ability to take him away with the way they scheme against them. So if, if they do, I think they're going to expose themselves in so many other areas that I don't think it's really worth it. So I think Tyreek Hill's going to have a big day. Um, I'm going to take the under. Um, so, so Chiefs win a Super Bowl sometime in the next, the next basically four, four years. years, right? Four opportunities yeah. Yeah. this year and then three after that. Okay. So, so your old takes exposed can get, come back at me. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, Herbie, you're next. I'm going to go Chris Jones. Uh, I, I think what you saw with um, Deshaun Watson against the Bills is not going to happen against his Chiefs defense where he bounced off of two defenders back there. Jones is going to be able to wrap him up. Suggs is going to be able to wrap him up. Hitchens will be able to wrap him up. So Jones is my where the rubber meets the road player. I'm also going to take the under. You got to take a look at the foundation that the Chiefs have right now. Travis Kelsey, you know, four years from now, is he, is he still going to be operating at a high level? Tyreek Hill, receivers in their prime right now. Running backs, maybe they address that. You know, I, I know a lot of people like Damian Williams, but I like to see them add a, a bona fide stud back there. The defense is young. This is the time to do it. You got three to four years to win a Super Bowl. The Chiefs are going to bank it. They're going to take it home. All right, before we continue, let me, uh, let me a little bit of a uh, clarification on the over-under question. It wasn't just that the Chiefs would win a Super Bowl. It's whether the Chiefs would win a Super Bowl or the Royals a World Series. It was the Kansas City Pro Sports team winning a championship. So now you throw that in on us. So does that change? Uh... No. <laughs> okay. So, Sam, what do you think? I mean, I'd be really surprised if the Royals part of that bet <laughs> cashes in by 2022. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that over-under is a complete trap for people to bet the under. That said, I will take the under. <laughs> um, I, I just, I think this team is, is just really set up with, they, they've got a stable infrastructure with, with coaching, uh, with a front office that has filled out the roster, uh, most importantly with a 24-year-old reigning MVP quarterback. I just, um, I think you, that's the kind of thing where you knock on the door often enough, it, it's gonna open. Um, in the spirit of, of, you know, kind of avoiding the uh, rubber meets the road question, I'm going to take... Let me guess, let me guess. Um, <laughs> war paint. <Yeah. laughs> um, I'm going to take uh, Mike Pinnell as a, a sort of representative of the run defense. I think that we talked about it, Herbie, you brought it up, 192 and three touchdowns the first time they played. This is a, a completely different defense. I think we all accept that. Um, and Mike Pinnell is a very, I think, good representative of, of how they're different. I, I feel like Frank Clark, Terrell Suggs can set the edges, and so then it, it becomes up to Pinnell, Chris Jones, who's, if he has a, a weakness, it's, it's against the run, but Pinnell is, is the run stopper there. It, you know, him, whether it's Hitchens, Raglan, whoever is, is, is playing behind him, I think that's, that's sort of where they're either gonna, this is gonna be a potential blowout, or it's gonna be a much closer game. Okay. 
What do you think, buddy? Um, Tyron Matthew against this former team. Pick six. Sorry. While we're rolling, <laughs> while we're rolling on the uh, <laughs> over/under question. First of all, I love what each of these guys have said about about the reasoning for taking the under, and I'm completely on board with that. You can see sort of the foreground of what's here a lot easier than you can see the horizon, right? I mean, and the known the knowns are, I think, pretty good, uh, and. I feel like this is the peak time, the next three or four years. After a couple of years from now, I, you know, four or five years from now, Andy's going to be 65, 66. Is he, how, how long does he want to coach? How much is changing? I, second contracts, et cetera. Um, my guy is, is, is not Tyron Matthew this week. Um, it's McCole Hardman. Mm-hmm. I think that they've been getting him closer and closer to, to more primetime exposure, and I think he's, he's – an example of the sort of thing that can come out from under wraps a little bit. And uh, I, I agree again with the reasoning on Tyreek, for instance, but I, I think the Texans are going to do everything they can to drape themselves over him. And I think it's going to leave room for somebody else to be a, a secondary force. And, you know, somehow we're, I still find myself surprised every time we see the McCall Hardman burst. And it's, it's only a step behind Tyreek Hills, what it, if that. If he were trying to chase, chase down Damian Williams, he would get there as well, is what you're I think he would, although Tyreek uh, suggested he would have caught McColl on the 104-yard return. <laughs> but then he would have passed him and given him the, the, the deuces. <laughs> I'd pay money to see that one. I, I, that like, needs to happen. Yeah, that yeah. one needs to happen. Um, I'm going to go rubber meets the road. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on the defense uh, following a couple of them. I'm going to go Daniel Sorensen. And we talked about Armani Watts and, and Kendall Fuller and how they're going to need to, you know, kind of step up. But I think Daniel Sorensen's going to uh, – I think he's going to be the spy. I think he'll be the Deshaun Watson spy in this game. Uh, we'll, we'll, it'll be his job to, to help contain uh, Watson. And uh, so I'm going to go Daniel Sorensen. I think he's had a pretty nice season. You know, yeah. really yes. nice bounce back from last year uh, where he did not – where he was just exposed, mm-hmm. you know, quite often last year. But – so Sorensen, and of course the under on the, on the Chiefs, I agree with everything that, that these guys have said, that this is the window of opportunity for the Chiefs. Even though if they win and the, and the Ravens win, they've got to go to Baltimore, they'll be a three or four point underdog, I think, in that game. I would game. think at least, yep. Yep. And so they'll have to do something that they don't often do, win as a win <laughs> a playoff <laughs> game. Um, but uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes on, on the Chiefs. Hey, before we go, one topic we didn't uh, cover that I, I think will be a subject of a story here. Eric Bieniemy, head coaching yeah. uh, job. Let's just say it's not gonna, it doesn't look like it's going to happen for him this year unless the Cleveland Browns pull off a, you know, kind of a, an upset. And, and hire him, which I actually think is a, would be a pretty good place for Eric Bieniemy. But um, kind of, will Eric Bieniemy be a head coach by the end of next season? Because um, it doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. What Washington, Carolina, New York Giants, Cleveland Browns all opened up, and he's still in any interviewed for and the Cowboys, right? Yeah. So five jobs. He interviewed for several of them. Three that we know of yeah. Yeah. this year. And didn't get job. So will BNB be a head coach by the end of the 2020 season? That's the million-dollar question because, to me, it's a head-scratcher that BNB has not been hired. And I know, like, with Judge in New York, they called Bill Belichick, and Belichick gave a ringing endorsement. But to me, when you have Andy Reid publicly given BNB a ringing endorsement, he's a leader of men. He, he can motivate a team and... and We've all been around the enemy. He's a fiery kind of guy. He seems to me like a coach's kind of player. A lot of players who didn't even play for him were taking to Twitter. Reggie Bush tweeted out, he's ready for a head coach job. You know, I know this guy. 
I don't know if he's going to have a job because I thought he'd have a job this year. I thought we would all be writing about yeah. Team X hires Eric Bieniemy. Chiefs now looking for another offensive coordinator. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the teams are looking for. If you're looking for a leader, why, why hasn't Bieniemy had a job yet? How about the idea of how about Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year? Right. Andy Reid steps down. Eric Bieniemy becomes the head coach. Are you, no. are you <laughs> Sam will not dignify I, that. I don't, I don't see that happening. Okay. Um, but I, I agree with Herbie. I mean, and also with what, your point about the Cleveland Browns, well, it may not be the best spot for him because I don't think that's the best spot for anybody. Right. Pretty human. Um, it might be their be one of their best options because, you know, the quality that, that Andy Reid keeps talking about is this leader of men phrase. And, of course, you know, what does that really mean? But... He's got a presence w with those players, and Cleveland needs somebody that has a presence with yeah. those players because they need some discipline. Yes. And I think Eric Bieniemy would provide that, if nothing else. And I, I know that there's the question of, you know, he doesn't call the plays, so how much does he really factor into the offense? But you've had other guys that had that same question. I mean, I mean, well, Doug Peterson Reed, won a Super Bowl. Andy Reid never called plays exactly no, when, yeah. when, when he got his job. He was never even a coordinator. Right. Yeah, but right. you know, Doug right. Peterson is. You know, that, that's the example to me. The guy knows offense. And, you know, if you talk to whether it's Mahomes or Matt Moore or Chad Henney, he's working with the quarterbacks, you know? Like, it's, it's not just he's still the running backs coach and, and that's it. And I, I keep going back to, you know, the Kareem Hunt situation. And, you know, because it, it's – coaches can't present this veneer of discipline, of authority, and, and all that stuff. But what happens when that gets challenged? What happens when you, you set a line and somebody steps over it? That was a star player, an important piece of the offense. And, and he was gone because of what happened with Eric Bieniemy and Kareem Hunt, that Kareem Hunt lied to Eric Bieniemy. That's why he's gone. And, and I think that that's the part too. When, when, you can, when you can bring the hammer and still have the players talk about you the way they talk about Eric, I mean, that, that is, that's gold. And, you know, I would just underline what Herbie and Sam both said about, like, doesn't it seem like that's what the Cleveland Browns need? Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and now I'm forgetting, I think, Sam, you just said it, like, I don't know if it's Eric's best spot, because I don't know, if, you know, if you want to work for that owner, um, you know, if you just look at the, the history that they've had with GMs and coaches both, but they got a good quarterback, they got a hell of a lot of, of, of talent around them, they've got Kareem Hunt, <laughs> you know, that, that yeah. would be an interesting, you know, uh, you know, sort of, substory or whatever so it'd be a great situation um for the browns i think but um it's just look like we're, we're nobody's mentioned it yet but there's a fact that black coaches are not getting hired at near the rates that white coaches are especially you know? offensive yes yes and and i don't know i don't think there's outright racism I, you know i don't i don't think that but i think that there there is a case to be made that there is a subconscious you know sort of boys network, you know, look like me kind of thing. I mean, that's, that's how it's happened, you know, uh, wh whether it's direct or indirect. That's, that's part of this equation as well. Sam made this point where we were talking the other day. I mean, you might look at each individual case and say, okay, you can see why they made yeah. that choice. But when you take the whole body of it, it's seven interviews now. In two years. Yeah, in two years. Seven out of 31 and, teams. And, and, you know, I guess we don't rule out that he might get the Cleveland thing until, that's, until that is ruled out. But... Um, so then you look at what, what his profile is, and you know two things on his profile that uh, are different, I guess, are the race, but also um, running back's history as opposed to quarterback's history before these last two years, right? I think, I mean, Peterson had been a quarterback, he'd worked with quarterbacks, he'd been an offensive coordinator. Nagy had worked with quarterbacks before he was coordinator. 
you know, which one of these you want to choose as a reason, at least on the, the profile, and I think you can, uh, you, can, you can see what you want to in it, but it's, it's hard not to be distressed a little bit about the, the rate of hiring of African-American coaches. Right. The other thing you hear is no head coaching experience, either at the college or pro level, but... I mean, they, come on. Yeah, come on. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not a, that's not a reason anymore. Guys you are getting, can't use that. Yeah, guys are getting jobs from being a quarterback's coach or a special teams coordinator. I mean, there's, you know, look like Ron Rivera and uh, uh, Bruce Arians, uh, Mike McCarthy. I mean, there have been, a, it seems like somewhat more retreads or you know guys getting a, kind of a, a second chance but there's still you know joe judge nobody had ever heard of him before yeah. we had to google him <laughs> uh, yeah uh you know zach taylor i mean there, there, there's a lot of examples I mean, you know cliff kingsbury <laughs> got fired like i mean just a, a failed college coach that went below 500 and now the nfl <laughs> I mean, that's amazing didn't win with patrick mahomes <laughs> and they, that, that's the thing too is like I, I feel like there's some of of you know some of what you see is well of course the enemies the offensive coordinator of this offense has been terrific He's got Patrick Mahomes. Well, yeah. <laughs> so did Kingsbury. Right. Yeah. And the Big 12 is right. not as tough as the NFL. Well, I'd love to see Eric Bieniemy and Dave Tobe someday become yep. NFL head coaches. Both of them absolutely deserve it. So that's going to do it for us today. We've got to get to Chiefs practice. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, uh, we got to thank uh, Jack is here, one of our one of our great fans, and Ann came too. Sarah and Mike were here today. And Beth Welsh is here today. And what's special about Beth? Well, everything, because she's here every week. But today is her birthday. Is that right? It is. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Beth. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. <laughs> Do you want some candy corn? <laughs> <laughs> so from all of us, we will talk to you again after the Chiefs game on Sunday. Take care. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. That'll do it for another episode of Sports Beat KC presented by Big O Tires. Thanks to Randy Mason for producing today's episode and to Beth Welsh for producing the Facebook Live Please rate, review, and share Sports BKC where you can do that. It helps. And we'll be back on Friday with another episode. Talk to you then.